Our second scripture reading this morning is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verses 16 to 31. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling them the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. I just love that verse. Now all the Athenians and foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it He who is Lord of the heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have sped, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we not ought to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy, beloved God, creating God that was and is and always will be all that is, remind us, God, that we are part of all that is. Remind us that we are part of you. Remind us that your abundance, the holiness of all that is, resides in and through us. Give us the courage to take that seriously. Now may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak, and take from my mouth those you would not. 
So a few minutes ago, as we were a couple of verses into the first hymn, I stepped out of the sanctuary, and you may have seen this, and got a lighter and came back and lit the candle uh, midway through. Now, this was me being kind of a stickler pastoral presence. But do you all know why we light a candle? Why we, I mean, why we have these visual things? I'll tell you just in case you don't, because I don't think it seemed obvious to me. I mean, maybe it was just a thing we always did, but this, the symbol, right? The candle is a very simple representation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So there's a candle there so that it's lit so that we can remember the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I had a moment at the beginning when I was like, oh crud, like we, need, we should have that lit. That should be lit. We should, I should have that lit. Like, that's something that is important. It's kind of awkward if it ever gets blown out, you know. I mean, it's like we keep the baptismal font up front because it's a reminder of our baptism, which is a reminder of God's love, which is there for us even when we do not have the capacity to ask for it. So I ducked away and I lit, the, I lit the candle. And I was like, well, it's worth being a little awkward at the beginning of worship during a hymn and having the candle lit than it is not having the candle lit. And I guarantee you, it wasn't until after I did that, that I came back and I started singing again, that I thought, what a perfect illustration for today's service, for this very text. This whole internal conversation that I was having right there, where I needed to come and make sure that a candle was lit so that we wouldn't forget the presence of the Holy Spirit within and among us. It doesn't matter if the candle's lit or not, y'all. The Spirit is still here within and among us. Now, what I love is that when Paul is here, so he's in, he's in Athens, so he's traveling in Gentile territory. He, at the very beginning, is talking to other Jews, but largely this is a very pivotal point in the, in the story of the beginning of the church because Paul is there talking. He is firmly entrenched in Gentile territory, and this is new for him. So he's looking around and he has this moment where he's going around the city and he's feeling distressed. He's feeling overwhelmed. He's like, oh my gosh, y'all, you're missing this so much. Now, I studied this passage in seminary and we talked, and when we talked about it, we talked a little bit about Paul's tone at the beginning where he's like, I see how very religious you are in every way. And I think at that point, the way we kind of talked about it was that he was being kind of sassy, a little tongue in cheek. I see how religious you are, but now let me show you. Let me show you what real religion is. And I don't think that's actually his tone because this is the people that he feels very clearly called to serve and very clearly called to spread this message of the gospel to. Now, Paul is a complicated person for sure, and we could have a whole conversation about Paul. In fact, I think we should. We'll We'll have a series of discussions about Paul at different points. But Paul is a human, first and foremost. He is very, very human. But in this moment, he is having a genuine, like, existential, maybe not existential moment, but this moment, I would say, of recognition, where he's like, oh, wait, 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 y'all are missing this. Y'all are missing this. And yet, at the same time, you get it, because there is a deep devotion here. There is a very deep devotion. These idols were created because these people were very deeply devoted to their religion. Paul is there to say all of these external things that you've made these idols that you've made as a way of understanding who you are and what you are and who created you, those things are actually all within you. Those things are actually all present here within you. In the passage that Jen read earlier this morning, 
from John, Jesus promises the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says, I am with you. I am in you. The Father is in me. Now, I believe what the Holy Spirit is, is a spirit of understanding, a spirit of discerning, a spirit of wisdom that lets us open ourselves up to an understanding of who we are so that the message that Jesus came to proclaim, which was to tell us who we are, now Jesus in his full understanding, his full knowing of who he was as an incarnation of the divine here, he came to say, this is what we are. We are part of God. We are part of the divine holiness. We are all incarnations of the divine. Now, we didn't really get that in quite the same way before Jesus came that we did after. And I don't think we really get that fully today, let's be honest. We do not live as though we actually believe that we are incarnations of the divine. If we did, we would not be living through this world in this moment. That feels safe to say. Because then we make idols of ourselves. What do you mean? We're, that's a different conversation because we are created. We are not made by human hands. We are created by the divine. Where we come from, we have within us holiness. Jesus says shortly after this that we should be able to do all that he can do and more. That's a bold proclamation. Because he's bringing people back from the dead. He's coming back from the dead. He's walking on water. He's multiplying loaves and fishes. But even more transformational is that he is doing that by sitting down and breaking bread, loving his neighbor as himself, and loving God in that. When he says in here, how do you do that? By following those commandments. What are the greatest two commandments but to love God, to love our neighbor as ourselves? That's so simple, but it's so hard. It is so hard because here's the thing is that when we sit down with our neighbor in true authentic relationship, even just the desire for authentic relationship, if we sit down with ourselves with the desire for authentic relationship, authentic relationship will come. But that gets real scary because we have an entire world built around preventing us from sitting down and being present with all that is. Now, God is all that is. God is the I am. God is present in being. God is present. We are, God is revealed to us when we are present with all that is. When we are present with the stillness that comes, the movement, the chaos, when we see all of it, but when we sit down and bear witness to all that is, we have the opportunity to tap in to God. I talk about this a lot, and if any of us sit down for a one-on-one conversation at any point, I can tell you that within 25 minutes, I will start telling you about the weird stuff that has been happening over the last couple of years. These weird metaphysical moments where sometimes it's literally a visit from my deceased father in the form of birds. I preached about these things. Sometimes it's a bumper sticker showing up saying the exact message that I need. Sometimes it's these other things that are happening. But these wild affirmations that are coming to me in the form of revelations in the world around me. Just last week, I was driving home from a friend's out on Old Gun Road down in Bonaire. I'm turning a corner, and there's this baby deer 
right in front of me on the road. Now this happens a lot out on Old Gun Road. So I stop and I'm like, oh, Elliot, check out, there's this door. It's looking at me like a deer in the headlights. We have this moment, this exchange, and then the deer goes away. I'm like, okay, lovely. I keep driving home. The next day, on Monday of this, this last week, I did some energy work with Aaron Forsythe. Folks who don't know, talk to Aaron about energy work sometime. Just say, can you tell me about energy work? But Aaron does energy healing, healing touch. So I was out there seeing her on Monday. We had a visit and afterwards she's chatting and she's like, I don't know, I feel like as soon as I got into your energy, I had this very profound image of a baby deer, a baby deer, something about a baby deer. And I'm like, this is my Presbyterian pastor self talking to my Presbyterian parishioner self about this experience. I certainly didn't tell her about the deer I'd seen just the night before. So then you look up, what does a deer mean? And it's a symbol of all sorts of new beginnings and also gentleness and all of these different things that I needed to hear. Am I wild? Am I making that up? Is it something? Or is actually the reality of God presenting itself to me? Now, I could go with A. I could say it's just these wild coincidences. I could say that, but no, it's not. I know that it is B. I know that these experiences are there and are happening because the reality is that God, who is all that is, is always beckoning to be seen. So when I have this experience about a, do about a doe, about a baby deer in the middle of the road and then someone else telling me this clear affirmation and connection within 24 hours, I sit down and I tell you about this. And so then maybe you're like, well, maybe there's something there. And maybe I want to actually give myself five minutes to actually sit down and to actually be still. Or maybe I want to actually give myself the chance to actually say to God, show me where you are. Show me where you are. Show me who I am. I am lost. I have no idea what's going on in the world because there are all of these things these idols that are pulling me away from being present with what is. The idols, if we were to look, if we were Paul right now looking around today, and you were to look around and to say, oh my gosh, look at all of these things that are distracting you from seeing how magical you are, and how powerful you are, and how beloved you are. Those are the idols. That's what he's talking about. How much time do we spend on our phones, looking down, avoiding, being still? How much time do I? Does my phone become an idol then? If it's pulling me away? If I've decided this is more important than the abundance of all that is happening around me? That's not said with any shaming. The fact that even as I say that, I feel ashamed of looking at my phone. That tells me that I am missing the point just like I am when I tell myself that that candle has to be lit for me to believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit is here. That candle is a reminder. It is a gift. It is an affirmation. It doesn't change the presence of the Spirit or not, and yet it helps my tender human self who needs those reminders. My tender human self who's like a baby doe again and again who gets to relearn the abundance and the majesty of what it is to leap and to bound and to be created again and again. Friends, all we have to do to experience the abundance of God is sit down and be still with the presence of all that is.
It's okay if that sounds terrifying. There's a reason that we talk about the fear of God, the fear of being present of all that is, and how that all of a sudden also then becomes a source of awe. Because, oh my gosh, all that is, is so marvelous. It is complicated. It is messy. It is tragic. It is scary. It is abundant. It is full. It is all that is. And we get to be a part of it. We were created, like Paul says, to sometimes grope and to seek and to look and to find so that we could experience the majesty of what it is to be created. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole purpose. As I say that, I have these goosebumps. It's like, what is the purpose of being alive? It is to be alive. It is to be alive. To love yourself, to sit down, to break bread with those around you, and in that to realize the transcendence of the God who is in and through all of it. And not just through people, but in every single thing. God is here. God is here. God is here. God is here. God is everywhere. But God is certainly within you. So as you move throughout your week this week, trust that holy spark within you, because that is who you are. And then celebrate the gift of being that holy spark in this human flesh. Because that's how we get to live, as holy sparks in human flesh. You are beautiful. You are abundant. You are beloved. Always. Amen.